This is the Dynasty Warzone, the People's Dynasty Podcast, and here are your hosts, Memphis at DFF Memphis and Jerry at Jerry Sin DFF. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to a very special bonus edition of the Dynasty Warzone. We're calling these Dynasty Warzone Conversations. And with me tonight is an old friend, and, and I use that term in all sincerity. I've uh, gotten to know tonight's guest a lot over the last six or so months, and just really great, especially with, with his status within the community. And uh, it's just been really cool knowing each other on a personal level outside of uh, fantasy and Twitter. But he's got a lot going on. But, but right now, we're, we're going to put the gloves on. We're going to get in the ring. We're going to put the mouthpieces in, and, and we're going to do a little dueling. Um, as most of you know, I'm not the biggest Corey Davis fan in the world, but it's not about Corey Davis so much. But my guest tonight is, you know him from all over the place. I'm going to let you tell, I'm going to let him tell you rather, where he, he is at currently and what he's doing. Please welcome back to the Dynasty Warzone, Mr. Nick Whalen. Nick, welcome back, sir. <laughs> Thanks, man. That's a, <clears throat> that's a heck of an introduction. And uh, I, I agree with you. That's the, the the best part, I think, of this industry that people don't understand is, is it's the the relationships and the friendships that you get along the way and you know behind the the takes the Corey Davises the you know whatever you want to talk about uh we're people you know and, and it's cool to get to know people and you know meet up with people as we talked about off air we might meet this year you know uh I think that's the best part of it but um yeah right now it's uh kind of summer mode for me I'm in education so I'm having a nice time relaxing uh, working on the Devry report and, and I'm, and I'm training for, uh, my Spartan races. We're going to talk about those Spartan races at the end of the, the conversation, because fitness is one of my passions. If, if dynasty is one a, then fitness is one B. I used to be a pretty, I won't say a good athlete. I'll say I was a decent athlete in, in my younger days. And then I got way out of shape and then I, I fell in love with fitness. And I, I think there might be somebody out there and I don't care. You know, when we get done talking about Corey Davis here in a minute, if you want to turn this thing off and, you know, listen to another podcast or listen to sports talk radio, or just reflect on our, uh, our, uh, back and forth on Corey Davis, that's cool. But if we can help one person, you know, and if you, and I can't always get to every, and neither can Nick for that matter, get to every, you know, request for a trade information. I'll always retweet it. But if I can help one person, you know, live a healthier lifestyle, I'm all about that. That that if you told me I helped you, you know, lose weight or live a better lifestyle, I would that would mean ten times more to me than helping you win a fantasy championship. Would you agree? Oh, I can't I can't agree with you any more than I mean. To me, you know, this is a, a fun hobby of of fake football and predicting who's going to catch more or run for more. But you know, living a better life a longer life, a more active life, less cholesterol life, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think that's awesome. And then in, in, in the other realm, that's different from that. That's how I feel about my faith too. I think that'd be awesome to help someone there. But yeah, man, I, I, uh, I've been posting more fitness stuff on my Twitter for that exact same reason. Absolutely. So uh, I, I'm going to get into the Corey Davis stuff. That's why these people are here. You, you are very pro Corey Davis regardless of what's going on in the great state of Tennessee, which is, by the way, where my father's side of the family hails from. So there are some ties to that beautiful state. But I know you've, you know, obviously with the Debbie Report and all the stuff that you do with college players, how long have you been aware of Corey Davis, and when did you start scouting him? 
Man, that's a great question. And and you know what? Because you know, you had shared this with me. I, I have uh hopefully it's a fun little treat uh for the show. But uh so Corey Davis, I, the first film I watched of him was his first college game, believe it or not. And this is kind of a cool little story. So, you know, if people don't know, Titus Davis is Corey's older brother. You know, he had a little run of it in the NFL, didn't really work out. Corey's been the better one, but they both came out of Chicago, bad situation. And Corey long story short, grades ended up being at Western Michigan. So here he is, true freshman, first game against Michigan State. Okay, right, that, that that's daunting enough. But what you don't know is that both corners for Michigan State are first-round draft picks in the NFL later on. Uh, it's Darquise Denard and then Trey Waynes. Now, Davis had a lot of targets, and I, I didn't count them up, but he ended up having eight catches for 96 yards and a touchdown in his first ever college game against a pretty good competition. So that was pretty cool. But so that was kind of my first game that I had watched of him. Um, but I really got heavily into Corey, I would say December 2014, January 2015. And that was uh, preceding and leading into my first Devry report. Okay. I'm, and I have to be honest. So, Western Michigan is in the MAC, the Mid-Atlantic, is it Mid-American, excuse me, Mid-American Conference. And I went to Ball State University, of which is also in the MAC. So uh, I used to watch Corey Davis, including, I believe it was his senior year, where he posted something like 250 yards uh, against Ball, Ball State that year. So that's when I really, you know, was like, man, this guy's, I, I never thought he would wind up where he is, because I've said this a million times, I don't watch a ton of college football until right after they declare for the draft and I start, you know, with my draft prep in January. But it, it, it was pretty obvious, to, you know, they, they say a blind man could see how good Corey Davis was. So um, what was it about him in college? Was it just his overall dominance at a small school? Because I know that's important for a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of people. No, that's a good question. And for me, it's about checking as many boxes as you can. Um, and you know, he showed the athleticism. He had the size, you know, route running. He was versatile, lined up all over the place. His yards after the catch. I mean, it, it was all there. Um, if you don't mind, could I take two minutes and read to you my – now, again, this is probably like the worst writing I've had because it's my first every report. But my first bio on Corey Davis back in January 2015, is that okay? Uh, please, this is this is a bonus show. We're all about Corey Davis tonight. and Let's, let's <laughs> okay. hear it. Fire away. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is after his 2014 sophomore year. I said, one of the best route runners I've ever seen in college football. Route running is about changing speeds, attacking a defensive back's leverage, and not tipping off routes. Davis stems defenders at the top of, or even in the middle of his routes to make them off balance. Davis does all of that while he lines up all over the field, X, Z, and in the slot, so he's versatile. He does a good job getting off the line of scrimmage using quickness and technique to create separation. Davis tracks the ball well through the air and adjusts his body to make the reception. He will high point the football and isn't afraid to take a hit to make the reception. Great after the catch, makes defenders miss and has the vision to maximize his yardage. Davis is a hands catcher, but body catches occasionally. As a freshman, he body, he body caught much more, so it looks like he's worked at it. Gifted athlete with good leaping ability, runs in the mid four fours for a 40 yard dash and has good acceleration. Corey Davis plays football in the mold of Amari Cooper and Sammy Watkins, but he's flying under the radar because he plays at Western Michigan. He isn't going to stay a secret for long. Make sure you draft him and reap the benefits. <laughs> that was a long time ago. 
and and, and you still you still feel the same way. So um, I'm going to move into his pro career because I think that's where things start to where our differences start to take hold. What do you think have been the biggest hindering factors to his career? And and, and I don't want to be unfair to Corey Davis. Um, I'm a firm believer in you know wide receivers and tight ends just take more time. It's a, it's a, it's a it's a different progression than running backs, even offensive linemen. Hell, sometimes even different than quarterbacks. So so what has been hindering this poor young man his first two years there in Nashville? Yeah, and it's um, well, I mean, I guess I mean the the cool part for me was you know obviously people know me because of Corey, but he you know being the fifth pick. So he had these expectations going into his rookie year, you know, being the fifth pick. And so um, him not really meeting those expectations his rookie year, um, you know, was a little deflating for his owners, for his potential, et cetera. But he did get hurt. Uh, So I think injuries, um, he got hurt in camp, if I remember correctly, and during the season. So I think both of those hindered some of his numbers. But Mike Clay had tweeted out after his uh, rookie season that Corey Davis – Son NFL high, 32.8% of his passes were off target as an uncatchable. So I would say that's a huge deterrent. I mean, one, you're, you're not playing, you know, because you're hurt. So you're not getting the practice reps, I would think. Being a rookie, as you were talking about with development, you don't have, you know, that that rapport with your quarterback or with the offense, knowing the playbook. And then when you do get out there, maybe that's some of the reasons the targets were off. You know, maybe it breaks a route off too short, too deep. The quarterback doesn't know his speeds, but I would think it's a combination of some of that. One of the big things, and I was, we, we, on the Wednesday show this week, we had John Debari of the DLF on, and we were talking about young quarterbacks, and I was talking about my affection for Sam Darnold, and I'm really excited that he is getting an offensive-minded head coach. Regardless of what you think about Adam Gase and his weird eyes and all that other stuff, he, he's a really good offensive mind. That's my opinion. And I, I, I like what they have going on there from an offensive standpoint. My issue with Corey Davis in his current situation is that his first two years, Mike Malarkey was a bit of an antiquated stiff, in, in my opinion. They only passed the ball 484 times in, in his rookie year, and they only completed 306 of those. And for 14 touchdowns, one of the least efficient, least uh, bountiful from a fantasy standpoint and, and all that. And, and then in his second year, he, he gets Mike Vrabel, who I like as a coach. I don't like as a – for offense. He just feels like the classic pound the ball, play defense. They picked up Roger Saffold. Is it Saffold or the, the, the guard that was with the Rams? Uh, one of the Saffold. best. Thank you. One of the best run blockers in the league. And this was a team that had the third-ranked um, – excuse me, third-ranked scoring defense – in the NFL last year. I just feel like this continues to be a situation where it's going to be run the ball, play defense, run the ball, play defense. Do, do you think there's any way that changes much? Uh, well, I do. I mean, I think that when you look at the the Titans, and actually I, my numbers are a little bit different than yours. I have it as last year's 437 attempts, and then it was 496, 504, and 551, the, the four years Mariota's been in the NFL. Um I don't know that, and I know game script people talk about that. I don't know that that's necessarily the only reason why teams don't pass. You know what I mean? Like you want to look at, uh, you know, Chicago is going to throw more than 430 times this year. And, you know, Pittsburgh threw for a league high 
252 more times than the Titans last year. And, you know, their defense is a little up and down, but I don't know that necessarily those two things are, are correlating. And the, the one thing that I think is a little unfair, if you want to look at last season is 437 is a really low number. The only thing more criminal than the Titans not throwing more than that is Seattle throwing less with Russell Wilson. I mean, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? That, 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 that could be a whole separate podcast for a whole separate day, but I was going to bring that up because, you know, I, I've mentioned on, on a few podcasts and on some of the tweets I've, you know, mentioned Corey Davison that, you know, Tennessee's 31st. Well, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks were 32nd in pass attempts last year, but, but the, I guess they get away with it in Seattle because Russell Wilson is uber efficient with what he does. And and that's my big fear for Corey Davis is that they promoted their former tight ends coach, Arthur Smith, who's the new OC there in town. They added, you know, additional targets. But talk about Arthur Smith. Do, do you think he's going to – I mean, I don't think that he could be worse than Matt LaFleur. And I'm not taking a cheap shot at Matt LaFleur, who's now the head coach at Green Bay. But if you listen to or read Roto World or other non-fantasy-related podcasts, uh, Aaron Rodgers came out and took a passive-aggressive shot this week at, at Matt LaFleur. So LaFleur was supposed to be the high-flying friend of Sean McVay. So what if Arthur Smith gets out of his comfort zone and does something different in Tennessee? Yeah, well, I, you only have to have a, a cup of coffee with Sean McVay and you'll get a head coaching job. You know how that is, Randy. So um thing with with Arthur Smith is we don't know. We don't know. He's never been a coordinator before. You know, he's been quality controlled and he's kind of worked his way up from there. So really it's a, a, a unknown. And that's why I think, you know, anyone that goes and says, well, they only threw 437 times last year. The first thing is this, would you throw the football if your quarterback can't feel his fingers or would you run the football? That That's pretty obvious, right? Absolutely. And this is a team that, that even in spite of Mariota being hurt, and the blonde bomber, Blaine Gabbert, rolling out there. The they, blonde bomber. They, 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 they were within. They, they, they were basically hosting a win and you're in scenario against the Colts in, in week mm-hmm. 17. So mm-hmm. that that is my fear for Corey Davis in 2019 is that they saw this recipe almost work last year. I actually and, and you and I you know touched on this in the in the tweet debate. I actually like Ryan Tannehill a little bit better for this offense than I do Marcus Mariota. But I think Tennessee's in a very bad position this year that with Mariota being in his fifth-year option, it's really fish or cut bait with Marcus Mariota. And that's one of the big things that makes me nervous for for Corey Davis. It's not that he doesn't get targets, but to your point with the Mike Clay stat, it's like he doesn't get very catchable targets. You know, a couple of positives, because again, I want to be fair. I, I can debate what we you know what I'm doing with him, but, but two positives for uh, for Corey Davis last year from his rookie year is that his catch percentage went up. His rookie year, he was 52.3% catch rate, and then last year he went up to 58. That's almost a 10% increase year over year. And then his yards per catch, he went from 11 yards as a rookie to 13.7. So I definitely saw some numbers that gl- gave a glimmer of hope. So so I'm going to talk about some of the the, the detractors of, of his 2019 outlook but but what what are some of the positives that you see going into this season well yeah you kind of hit on a few points there so i think one and i'm sorry i'm going to go back to this is is talking about the, the the attempts so if we look at the the three previous years of the titans i mean worst case scenario was around 496 504 and even the year before that was 551 
And you want to look at the NFL average was 120 above what they did last year, which is about 550. So, I mean, when we want to talk about amount of targets and target share and all that kind of stuff going on, there's going to, I mean, there has to be more targets just by pure chance this year. So I think that's, that's part of it. But uh, you had talked about the, the increases for Corey and, and that's true. I mean, the other thing I think you got to mention is he was healthy. That, that's one huge thing about being an NFL and being a pro is you, you got to stay healthy. And he did that last year. When we talked about the uncatchable targets, even last year, he still had 26% were uncatchable. And so only 83 of them were catchable. He caught 65 of them. Now, again, you don't do that with catch percentage, all that kind of stuff. But the, here's another stat for you, which again, this is a little bit less um, mathematical. And this is a little bit more of me having my biased eyes on this. Okay. So you know, take it with a grain of salt. But I turned on his highlight film. This was, I don't know, probably a month ago or so, just because I was like, you know, this is just bugging me. And he improved. He had a good year. Be looking, it's like, man, this is the highlight film. I'm like, man, that's a bad ball. I'm like, that's a bad ball. So I counted up all of the, the catches. These are all the positive plays, right? Again, highlight film. 41 catches he had in this highlight tape. 17 of the 41. 17 of the 41, just under half, were behind, low, high, underthrown. So you had to wait for him. I mean, th- that's a huge percentage. And when we want to look at like projecting Corey Davis moving forward, and that and that's with, you know, as you talked about, I like Ryan Tannehill way more than Blaine Gabbard. I haven't heard the the blonde bomber before. That's a new one for me. But so, and and the odds of Mariota can't feel his fingers again. I think those two things, the quarterback play is is up. I think attempts are going to be up. And if you have one of those receptions where he's not stopping to reach you behind him and they lead him and he can use his yards after the catch, I think he's at a thousand yards last year. And so that's why I think that I don't know that things have to be drastically different for Corey to take that next step despite this bad situation we're looking at. And the the, the one thing about the bad situation that's not going to change is the quarterback and we're not even 100% sure Ryan Tannehill would, would do a bunch. One of the biggest fears that I have for Corey this year is the addition of A.J. Brown, who was my wide receiver one post-combine going into the draft. Someone I've still drafted. I've gotten a couple of shares at some really nice prices at around the, mm-hmm. the 112 to 203 range. In the, in the two nice. sh- He's my wide receiver too, so I'm with you. I love him. I, I, I loved him to death. But they also brought in Adam Humphreys, a really good slot receiver from Tampa Bay. And, and Adam chose, chose Tennessee over New England, which I found to be odd based on the quarterback play, the lineage of the franchise. And, and, and I'm asking myself, what did they sell him on? Uh, m- maybe he liked Tennessee over Massachusetts. That could have been it. Or maybe they, they, they really convinced him that he was going to be a big focal point of this offense. And, and then you bring back Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker from 2014 through 2017 had a minimum of 100 targets each of those four years. So he averaged 100 and had, I think, a high of 117. And so he's going to be back. Now, is he going to be his old self? Probably not. But I, I'm looking at and I took some of your math as you were talking. If if they pick up an extra, let's call it 100 targets, and those just go to Delaney Walker because that's easy offset math. He averages 100. They pick up 100. That's a wash. Uh, how much of Corey Davis, do, do you think he loses anything to Humphreys or Brown? I honestly don't think he does. I think 100's high for Walker. I mean, he's still not 100%. He's 35 coming off of an injury and 
he got all those targets because there's nobody there. I mean, even look at the years when he got all those targets. Rashard Matthews, Tajay Sharp, Kendall Fuller, which I think we could read. None of those guys were that good. You know what I mean? So, of course, let's feed you know Walker. Um, and actually, I was, I was thinking about this. If we go back to uh, 2016, they had 504 attempts as a, as a team. And this is kind of how I was looking at it. You can divide this up however you want. Uh, Rashard Matthews led the team with 108 targets. Walker had 102. Tajay Sharp had 83, and then Kendall Fuller had 42. Now, I don't think I don't think Walker gets the 102 there, but if you want to have both receivers getting 100 there and then Walker getting 83 and a rookie, A.J. Brown, getting 42, and then even despite that, people are like, probably they're screaming, they're like, what about Deion Lewis? You know, yeah, I know Deion Lewis is still there. He's still alive. Um, DeMarco Murray got 67 that year. You know, and so that would be respectable number 67. You know, he'll get, you know, 50 some catches out of there. That that to me seems like a solid pie. Now, again, that's everything being perfect. And that's at 504, which is still 50 lower than the league average. So to me right there, that says that down 10, same up 10, whatever it is. I don't think Davis's targets are going to matter a whole lot because in the end, he is the best receiver on that team. I know people love A.J. Brown. I like him too, but A.J. Brown's hurt. He's a rookie. It's not It's not going to happen right away. I know people think of the, the OBJs and all the rookies are going to hit and they're going to be good no matter what. It's not there yet. And from what I've heard, Corey Davis has taken him under his wing already, which is good. That's, that's what they're going to do. And I think both of them can eat moving forward. But for this year, I don't see his numbers going down that much with targets. Well, that, that that is a fair counterpoint. Um, you know, th- they're going to have to throw more. And I will say this: I I do think the attempts come up because they play in a division. Just let's, let's just keep it in the AFC South. I think we would all agree the Colts are a pretty good offense. I think the Houston Texans are a pretty good offense, and I think that we're going to see a much improved Jacksonville offense. Not only because they brought Nick Foles in, but because their offensive line is at least going to start. The, the season healthy. I mean, you, we heard a lot more because the NFC East is on TV so much about how injured the Washington Redskins line was last year. I think Jacksonville's line was just as injured. So just to compete in division, they're going to have to be much more aggressive with the ball because you can't afford to fall behind teams like Indianapolis, even with a good defense, which I think we would both agree they have a very good defense there in, in Tennessee. You can't afford to fall behind teams like Indianapolis or Houston. So maybe they have to come out and maybe they have to be much more aggressive early, which is something they could probably, you know, possibly build on. So um, I I can see both sides of that. And then I want to hit you up with uh, some buying or selling. This is a dynasty show and people are trying to figure out what should I be doing with Corey Davis here? Should I be buying or selling? Um, His current uh, FFPC, I I, I didn't have time to get the DLF ADP and I apologize, but his current FFPC uh, ADP is currently right around 80. Over the last uh, five weeks, it's been as high as 78 and as low as 82. And friends of yours, Izzy and JP, uh, side note, I had the good fortune of doing a guest appearance uh, on that show this week. So find that on iTunes and give those guys a listen. Absolutely hilarious. But on Great the di- guys. Great guys. Amazing guys. And you will not laugh this hard at a fantasy football podcast for a while. Hilarious. But in, in, in the trade calculator tool, he's going for 24.0, which is the equivalent of the 2019 uh, 103. So somewhere in that, depends on what your format has, Superflex, one quarterback, somewhere in that Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, Enkeel Harry range. So 
multi-layer question. Do you think his ADP this time next year will be higher or lower than we'll call it 80? And would you rather have Corey Davis or, and it's also the same, he's also the same as an early 2021st. So would you rather have Davis, the 103, or an early uh, 2021st? One question for you, that, that FFPC, I think you had referenced that 80, is that dynasty or is that redraft? That's dynasty. It's very shallow dynasty. Okay. They, they, that, I, I, think, I think if I remember, I've, I've never played in the FFPC, but it was, you know, some easy data for me to find very quickly. Right. Um, I think you draft 22 and then just before the season, you cut down to 18, if I remember correctly. Um, I, I primarily play in deeper dynasty leagues where like MFL, Sleeper, where you draft... 30 33 and then by opening day you've got to have 25 and like a three-man taxi so um but but Corey davis you know is going to be i think that's a fair range for him so we'll just say 80 that's like a mid it's right around the mid sixth early seventh well in uh in i have dlf's up too he's he dropped all the way down to 56 overall in dynasty and if you want to look at wide receivers just in front of him it goes i mean rock Robert Woods, Mike Williams, Cooper Cup, Sammy Watkins, Tyler Lockett, then Corey Davis, Tyler Boyd, Allen Robinson. So that kind of that's kind of the range right now where he's at a DLF. <clears throat> if, if you're asking me, I think his value goes up. I, I don't know how it does because right now, I don't think anyone's saying Corey player. I think they're saying we don't like the situation. And Mariota's a free agent. They brought in Tannehill for a reason. They didn't just bring in Tannehill to sign this guy. They're saying, we don't like what's going on with our starter. And that's why they brought him in. Mariota's a free agent, so they likely are going to make some kind of changes if he doesn't significantly increase. So if the situation itself changes next year, I think people look at it differently. And I expect Davis to play above that level. I mean, there's so many guys in front of him there that I think he's going to be better than this year. I don't think Mike Williams gets 10 touchdowns. Cooper Cup has come off an ACL and he's older. Watkins gets hurt all the time. You know, I like Tyler Boyd. That one could be a push. I think Davis is better than Allen Robinson, probably, as much as Chicago spreads it out. So right there, you're looking at he's in this range. I think he's going to bump up higher than that. I'm not even going to get on the Chris Godwin stuff, man. I've talked too much about that on Twitter already. But you talked about the 103, and I don't this was a bad year to have an early rookie pick. And you look at all those situations. You know, you can say Corey Davis' situation is not good. I don't trust Miles Sanders in Philadelphia until they show that they will feed one running back. I am so pounding the table to go acquire Tariq Cohen because I do not believe they're going to feed David Montgomery, and I don't like his evaluation. And wide receiver two, right here, we got, what, A.J. Brown or is it Metcalf? I don't believe in any of them. So to answer your question, I'll go with Davis. He's top five NFL draft pick. He made a huge bump in year two. Now it's year three, which is the classic breakout. But now all of a sudden, we're not going to give it to him. We're going to go with all these other guys, and I just don't know why. I mean, even last year, at worst, he was wide receiver, what, 28, 29 in PPR? And if you took away touchdowns, which someone did on Twitter recently that I saw, now all of a sudden, Corey Davis is a wide receiver too. And so, you know, and that's touchdowns are by chance. You know how that is. It's like, ah, you get some, they don't get them. So if you're in your second year, you become a wide receiver too? He's not really a bust in my pick. So that, that's what I'm going with. Uh, and, and you're starting to convince me to, to change my plan. So for those of you that think I'm anti-Corey Davis, I 100% am not. I like Corey Davis. I like Corey Davis, the athlete and the wide receiver. I just absolutely loathe. I don't hate. I loathe 
his situation. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like his head coach. I don't like his offensive coordinator. I don't like the fact that, in my opinion, that I think they're going to want to pound the ball down everyone's throat with Derrick Henry, and the more touches they give him, the the more tired the the defense will be. Uh, my plan was because I still believe that 2019 will not be a banner year. It might be better or the same. And my plan is to try to buy somewhere mid or late season um, and, and, and try to buy him for a 2021. 2021st are so in vogue right now. It's it's all the thing. But we were talking, again, with Izzy and JP. You know, you got four really good running backs, and, and you're very much a Debbie guy. So so Izzy said four really good running backs in this class. And he's I'm getting the three sign uh, from, from, from Nick. So three really good running backs, two elite wide receiver prospects, Two really good quarterback prospects and one meh quarterback prospect and Jake Fromm. I know some people like Jake, some people don't. And I don't see Nick shaking his head, so I found a, a don't. Nope. So, so that means that it, unless you've got like a top seven 2020, and, and even then, if you draft a wide receiver, you're restarting that three-year clock. So, so you may have convinced me. I might be out there looking to, uh, to, to acquire some Corey Davis shares earlier than my plan. I, I've I've always said this, and uh, my man Jay Mike check from the FF Open Bar. He's always like, I draft running backs and trade for wide receivers. And if there was ever a time where you know, may, and, and you're a Bears fan, and we won't get too deep into David Montgomery, you're a Bears fan, and I remember on Twitter you did not like the pick. And if do, do you think it's possible? Because I I do. You think it's possible that you could trade David Montgomery straight up for Corey Davis right now? Oh, for sure. I, I think it's I, possible. I I I feel like. I feel like that would be a great trade, especially if you could afford to go without, you know, perceived running back production in, in, in 2019 if you need wide receivers. I, I, I don't I don't hate that at all. So I'm not going to say. Am I, am I Tom Cruise right now in, in Jerry Maguire? Are you coming with me? I, I, I'm, I'm, I was always with you, and I had the same conversation with Izzy about Darius Geis in that I just don't like the situation so much. It's it's like it's like a really awesome property in a really crappy neighborhood, but you've got insider information that they're going to come through and clean that neighborhood up in a year or two. And if you buy that property just right, in a year or two, you're going to be able to make a fortune. And mm-hmm. I refer I referenced the dynasty trade calculator earlier because you know what, every industry, every activity needs a tool like that. It's fair. It's honest. It's, awesome. it's it's not flawless. It's not flawless. It's 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 got its um, but it's got its merits. And do I see a point to where his value could go from a 24, which it is now, to say a 42, which is what Devontae Adams is in the calculator currently? Sure you do. So if you buy Corey Davis at just the right time, just like buying any other property, a fantasy football player, a house, whatever, you buy a motorcycle in February and you can sell it in July because the weather's good. Whatever that is, because you're looking to make a profit. And here's the really weird thing. If he plays well between now and then, that's you're just that much better because he's in your roster every week. I, I I feel like he's a wide receiver. You've convinced me that he could be a wide receiver two that'll have wide receiver one games that uh, you could probably get for wide receiver three prices. Does that sound fair? I I think that's absolutely fair. And when you and you want to look at the potential upside there, it since there's nothing wrong with him, you're playing a dangerous game. And I, and I'm not actually opposed to you um, buying mid-year or even late year. I, I get that one too. Um, 
I actually dealt Corey Davis away in the league, which I know is going to surprise people. I I, got, I traded him away and Manny Sanders for Stefan Diggs. So I'm not, you know, that's a great deal for me. Someone offered it to me. I was like, yeah, I'll accept it. I'm not so biased where I can't move Corey Davis. But when you can, when you have that kind of talent, I mean, he checks every box. In my opinion, he checks every single box. Now, again, that doesn't mean he's every single box and he's Julio Jones. That's a whole different kind of category right there. But he's just below there where I think he has everything. And now all of a sudden it's just, we need, we need somebody that's not terrible, not having him have 32.8 and 26% of his targets off target, throw him the football. And all of a sudden he's a high end wide receiver too, that you paid, as you said, wide receiver three prices for. And you just bought equity, even if you don't love his long-term outlook, which I, I actually like his long-term outlook a lot better than I do that. And we were we were referring to rankings just a few minutes ago. Now, I have a printed copy of Mike Clay's Top 240, and the reason why I did that is we were uh, on Mike Clay's rankings, he puts everyone's age, so which is a, which is a great tool for, for building a dynasty. You don't have to follow the rankings, but Corey Davis is only 24, and he'll be... I think he's 24 and four months as we currently speak. And even if you have to wait till the start of the 2020 season, they get Mariota out of there and they, they, they bring in someone else, a rookie, whoever, you know, his situation just got better, you know, and, and he's only going to be 25. The best wide receivers in the NFL right now, not named Juju, because he's like 22, which is ridiculous, you know, are Devontae Adams, are Odell Beckham Jr. These guys are, you know, in that 27-ish range, you know, creeping up on 28 in some cases. So I, I, I don't think there's a way that you can invest in, even at his current price, that you can invest in Corey Davis and get burnt. Um, like I said, my, my fear is that you won't get necessarily uh, as much bang for your buck in 2019. Is that fair to say? No, that's that's a fair way to look at it. And, you, and you're exactly right. I mean, you want to look at that top tier, 26 going 27. Evans is going to be 26 soon. And then all of a sudden you have that that 25-ish, 26 range of like Galladay, Cooks, Diggs, and Cooper. And that's another one to think about. Think how, how Cooper, how his situation changed from bad to better. And Diggs, out of nowhere, they just signed Kirk Cousins. So you can't say that they can't get a quarterback, even a non-rookie, out of nowhere because it happens. And, and I, I will end this on, on this. Think about Robert Woods, who was up in the, uh, the, the, the frozen tundra of Buffalo with bad quarterback play. They didn't pick up his option. They let him become a free agent. He winds up in a really good spot out there in L.A. with the aforementioned Sean McVay. And look at Robert Woods' value over the last two seasons. You know, what happens if, if Corey Davis, you know, or they, they decide they don't want to pay him or pick up that rookie option? What happens in year five if, if, if he gets to, you know, in the fifth year of his career at, let's see, that'd be two years, at 26, he gets to, you know, pick his quarterback and team? You know, then it could be sky's the limit. I mean, if it works for Robert Woods, who I think is less talented than Corey Davis, it's not that hard of a narrative to see because Tennessee is not the most uh, aggressive franchise, especially financially. So I could see them not wanting to pick up in two years. I think a, a, a fifth-year option currently is about $14.5 million. So let's just add a million a year and call it $16 million. I could see them not wanting to pick up a $16 million fifth-year option for a wide receiver, especially if they're still beholden to Adam Humphreys and A.J. Brown's playing well. They might say, hey, you know what? We're going to spend these dollars somewhere else and let Corey walk. And then he winds up in a really good spot and blows up. And I, I, I think that's the best case scenario. 
When, when, when you can pick your quarterback, I mean, I wouldn't be mad if he came and picked you know Andrew Luck in two years when T.Y. Hilton's you know on the back end with with uh, him and Paris Campbell. That would be fantastic. I would love it. So that that is Corey Davis. I th- I think we both agree that he's extremely talented. I think we both agree that uh, he's worth buying even at his current price. Now I'm a little cheap. I'd prefer to wait just a little bit longer because I've seen it plummet, not plummet, but fall for five weeks in a row, and get into season might be able to get him for a running back. That's a that's a basically a, an expendable asset in a very much shorter window and get a guy that you could lean on for the next few years. You just think 2019 is going to be a little bit better than I do. Yeah, well, that's that's completely fair. And and that's actually a good point. You talk about him getting able to to, to pick his quarterback. Um, you had mentioned Indianapolis. I was kind of going through in my head. I mean, I don't know that Philadelphia has an answer at wide receiver moving forward. I'm not a JGR Arthega white side. I think I said that correctly. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of young quarterbacks, I think, out there that aren't attached to a for sure wide receiver. You can even look at San Francisco potentially, even though they keep drafting guys, you know, they've been spending money. So there's situations where you can see it, or you could just have the quarterback not be terrible and he's a wide receiver too. Like that's literally all it takes. I, I I will get much more excited for Corey Davis if for some reason Marcus Mariota he does that early what he does early in the season and gets hurt and Tannehill takes over so I don't think he's terrible but listen I, I want to save a little bit of time and I want to talk about fitness um, you are a pretty competitive and, and pretty successful Spartan racer slash obstacle course racer you might hear the acronym O R C um, oh I'm sorry O C R had it back O C R yeah. And uh, if you don't know Spartan Race, Google it. They're pretty interesting. But uh, you're mid-season, and uh, you're doing pretty well. So, so how is your Spartan season going? I mean, you might start by you know, because not everyone. We're not going to assume everyone knows what a Spartan race is or an obstacle course race is. Give them a little history and detail, and then uh, tell us how you've been doing in 2019. Yeah. So um, basically, Spartan races. I mean, you want to think of different ways at different ages you can stay active and compete. And, you know, there's, you'll have your, uh, those, those bar league softball or volleyball leagues that people can do. And not, now I see some kind of like fun. They have like kickball some places or like ultimate Frisbee, but, but Spartan races is really just designed to give you as many obstacles and put you to a limit where you got to push through in, in my opinion, a world where we don't want to push, you know, we want the easy way. And that's what it's designed for. And, and you can try and compete in it or, you know, maybe that, that race you're that day, <clears throat> that's just, Hey, I've been having a bad year, a bad month, a bad, whatever. And that's kind of how I got into it. Honestly, I had a, a buddy that is really good in this sport. I watched him, uh, compete and it, it, it gave me that itch that I could scratch to that, that void where I, I needed something else in my life. And for the last, this is my third season competing. Um, it's been awesome. I mean, I, I want to talk about just in terms of giving you a purpose for your workouts, not just, okay, I'm going to go on the elliptical. I'm going to do some, some arms or bench, you know, or like whatever people want to do. Like it gives me a purpose. Like, Nope, I have to do this because I failed this obstacle and I want to get better. So, um, to me, it it just really serves such a such a, a bigger purpose than just a race. And and the, and the coolest part about it is, so in in general, you have different obstacles, different 
distances. So, you know, your race might be three to 15 miles and you might have between 20 and 30 obstacles. It all depends. And if you fail an obstacle, you have to do 30 burpees. So it, it can be pretty daunting at times. And there's mud and all that kind of stuff. And you're crawling under barbed wire and throwing spears and stuff. But here's the, the, the difference between this and any other sport I've ever competed in. You're in it together. I, I'm, I'm in races and I'll have people cheering me on that are racing as well. Like, oh man, go get it. I I remember last year I had this race where I went out way too hard and I was going over this cargo net. Okay. And, uh, the cargo net is at a 45 degree angle up 45 degree angle down. And there's a walkway underneath it where people were going to get in the start line. And I was heavy breathing. You know, that, that like, you're like, your heart rate is way too high. I went out way too hard and I was, I was struggling. And I won't tell you how the rest of the race turned out. But anyway, so I'm going up this cargo net and this guy, me and this guy like locked eyes, man. I can't tell you what it is. It's just one of those moments. And he looks at me, he's like, you got this Spartan. And it was like, he didn't have to say any of that kind of stuff. But this community is just unbelievable, in my opinion. I have so many friends in the the, the, the Spartan races and the racing community. And I'll go to races, Memphis, and there'll be guys that are the elites. that They're sponsored they're Spartan pro team members and they talk to you like whatever. I, I can't go to an NBA game and go talk to LeBron and be like, Hey, what's going on, man? You know, but these guys, their, their egos aren't there. And, and they ask about your racing. They ask about, Hey, how are things going for you? You might ask, Hey, what do you do for training? And they, and they all answer. It's, it's such a different kind of community. And that's a place that I want to be in a place where I can kind of, you know, overcome that, you know, like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to overcome this obstacle or this race and kind of cheer everybody on. It's just such a positive atmosphere. And I have done, I've done at least three, maybe four. And the the, the term you're 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 looking for when you're uh, when you're out of breath is called we, we call that getting blown up. Because once you, once you lose that in a workout, then then you'll focus the rest of the time on it. But Spartan races are a lot of fun. They're not that expensive. Uh, but but one thing in regards to what kind of fitness you do. You know, stay active, you know, get out there. Maybe you played college football. Maybe you played high school football. Maybe you played Pop Warner football. Um, but the one thing that he said that that's very important to me is training for with, for a goal. So a couple of, I guess it was Memorial Day. So we, at the gym that I go to, we do the Murph, which is, you know, after Lieutenant Michael Murphy. Just Google it. It's a one-mile run, 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 air squats, then another one-mile run. And, you know, it, it, it's when, when you know that's on the horizon, we started training together as a group and we called it Murph Mondays and you ran a little bit and you incorporated more pull-ups. And, but we had a goal at the end of the day, we knew that X number of weeks we, we had to get there. And whether you're doing, whether your goal is just to be able to walk to your mailbox and get your mail, walk around your block, find yourself a goal that gets you up and physically active. You'll, you'll be so glad you did. It, it will open up so much more for you. And, and I speak from experience. I don't know that Nick's ever been this big, but uh, like I said, I, I was an okay, I was an okay wrestler. I, you know, had, you know, done pretty well in, in high school. And then, you know, through college and everything, I, I ballooned up to a, a not so svelte 265 pounds. And uh, I was working with a guy, his name was, name was Brian. I'll never forget it. He walked into the, uh, the grocery store that we worked at at the time. He goes, you know what? You're fat. I was like, excuse me? Say that one more time real slow so I could hear you as I'm chopping up fruit with a knife. He's like, dude, I know you're an athlete. I, I, I know you could do it. And I just, at that point, I had a goal to lose weight. Now my goal is to stay in shape. 
You know, when, when, when my son wants to go play baseball, I want to be able to go throw, throw the baseball with him. I want to have the energy to do that. Fit, fitness is, is a big part of my life. And uh, I asked Jerry if he was going to be able to make it tonight. He was going to be the moderator of the great Corey Davis debate. But he was like, I, I couldn't talk about fitness with you guys anyway. Um, it's not about being the best Spartan racer. And, you know, Nick is very accomplished. He's being modest. He's finished in the top three of some some very tough races. So that that's something to be very proud of. You know, I, I've taken time off of, uh, you know, some of the stuff that I do. And if Nick is able to make it to the Indiana Spartan, uh, I'm just going to tell my wife I'm going. She's already competing in this thing. I'm just going to show up. Because what, what, and have I trained? No, but I'm, I'm also not the smartest guy around. But, but I, I like the idea of fitness. So if there's anything that, that I can do, um, again, I, I, I'm not trying to overemphasize this. I, I can't get to every trade question. I'll retweet it, but I may not be able to give you, hey, I'd rather have player X over player Y, and here's my rationale. Because I just, I got tons going on. You know, everybody does. But if, if you need a, a fitness question answered, I'm not going to act like I have all the answers. But I follow a lot of really smart people on Twitter. Uh, I'm sure Nick does the same. So if you're into racing or lifting, say, or dieting, you know, I'll, I'll shoot you a name. I'll, I'll, I'll shoot you some articles. I'll shoot you anything I can. I'll, I'll, I'll give you some podcasts. I'll do anything I can to try to help, you know, anyone in, in their fitness journey. Um, that, I think that's a reasonable thing to do, right, Nick? Oh, that's, uh, that's huge. And, and I, and I can't echo the, the same things. I mean, or I can echo the same things. I mean, if, if you want to reach out and workouts, you know, what, what do I do? I can't tell you how many times that happens, even when you go to races or people that you meet. And uh, this is kind of a cool experience. So um, I am a school counselor. That is my my day job. And we had this um, two years ago, we instituted during one of our um, professional development days, a, I don't know how you kind of call it, like a wellness day. So half the day was a wellness day. You go to different sessions, kind of do what you want. So the first year, you know, I did this, um, this run, like, Hey, Nick, you run, take a group of people running. I'm like, okay. So I go for, you know, a slow run with people and kind of encourage them. And this year there's a, Hey, do you want to do it again? I said, I said, yeah, but can I do, can I do a Spartan thing? And they're like, okay. So then I, you know, I talked about like, okay, now the, probably the most riskiest thing is like the spear like, okay, you can't throw the spear. You can explain like, okay. So I, I, I brought all of my own equipment. So I brought a rope that I put around the goalpost for, you know, there's a rope climb. That's an event. I brought a bucket carry. That's one of our events. I brought our sandbags. That's one of our events. I showed them the spirit, didn't throw it. Okay. But I brought equipment because there's shoes that you need. There's what, what you need to wear. Garmin watches are huge. You know, there's so many things. And so all I'm doing, I'm not doing anything special here. I had my buddy help me with this. Other people that I asked, like anything in this world, if you want to be better, you have to be a sponge. And I think that's what what you're kind of saying is there's just like I am that if you want questions about this or any other kind of workouts, I don't think there's anything more valuable than your health. You're the only person in charge of it. And to me, the past, I'll say three and a half years, because I started running just before I got into this, um, have just really kind of changed my life. Uh, I didn't feel good about myself. And if I don't work out now, I don't feel good about myself. That's how much it's changed. And you know, and you got to make time for it. You know, people say they don't, man, I, I sacrifice sleep. There'll, there'll be times where I got so busy in a day and it's like eight 30 and I'm like, Nope, go into the gym and it's dark out. No one's there, but you know, I just had to do it, you know, cause I just had to get better. So if I can help in any way, and if it's explaining stuff, 
Um, if it's getting people hooked up with Spartan races or just workouts, I would be more than happy to do that. So there you go. Hopefully you stuck around for it and uh, always more than happy to help. I, I love fitness and I, I don't want to be that guy, but you know, my, my wife drug me to a CrossFit gym a few years ago. And I tell you, I stick around because of the people. Um, it's not the workouts. I do like the fact that someone writes my workouts for me because now that I'm doing more of the, the fantasy football thing, it's great. To, it's one less thing to have to think about. But everybody says they don't have time. But you know what? If a new season of, and they're not going to, which pisses me off because I love The Punisher, but if a new season of The Punisher dropped on Netflix, you'd find a way to, to binge watch it in about three days. If you can find an hour a day to watch your favorite TV show, you can watch that TV show while walking on a treadmill. You know, th 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 there are ways to do multiple things. I know it's hard. I'm a parent. I'm a baseball coach. I work. And if even if you need like a plan, hey, man, how, how do you work all this in there? What's up, Nick? So so one thing that I do, this is going to sound crazy, is there'll be days when I don't want to take a pounding on my legs, so I'll, I'll hit up the bike. I will watch film of guys from a Debbie report while I bike. So yeah, as you're saying, I multitask. So it could be TV show or it could be film. Yep. And, and it doesn't have to cost a bunch. One of my, I'll, I'll leave you on this. One of my absolute favorite fitness things that I do is that it's really good for your body and your digestion after you eat to take about a 10 minute walk, not like a mall walk or power walk, but just a walk, not a leisurely stroll but like a walk at like a, a nice average pace, 10 minute walk. It helps with digestion, um, lots of positives. And my wife and I do this every single day. Now she goes to her gym now. I go to another gym now. I do my thing. She does her thing. But at the end of the day, that is my favorite thing of fitness. It gives me and my wife just 15 minutes. Me and her, sometimes we bring along the dog. And you can incorporate your significant other into this. And, you know, three 10-minute walks a day are great. Again, if you need anything, hit me up. Nick, before we take this thing home, please, again, tell these folks about Fanium, uh, your Debbie work, all that fun stuff. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. This is uh, much more enjoyable, uh, one, because it's you, but two, I get to talk about something that's not football related, which I know sounds weird, but, you know, there's just so much more, I think, to to each of us than just what we what we think. So thank you for giving me a platform for that. Um, yeah, so, you know, on Twitter, I'm, I'm always active and I'm probably a little bit more argumentative this time of year because we don't have real football games to talk about, but at underscore Nick Whalen on there. And then uh, I've been dropping some articles, uh, actually some, some interesting ones. Uh, one was five ways to make your league uh, better, like right now. Uh, I put that on Fanium. And then also how, how to win at the running back position, the sneaky way. That's something I think that uh, people like. They like to go zero running back, but I think I kind of found a way to help get some value for you guys. Well, there you go. At underscore Nick Whalen on Twitter. Great follow, great guy, and very interactive. That's how I became friends with him. Now, I can't promise you a new friend like I got, but I can promise you some damn good fantasy and dynasty and Debbie information and a really good follow. So uh, on behalf of my co-host who's not here, you know him as Jerry Sin, at Jerry Sin DFF on Twitter. You can follow me at DFF Memphis. And remember, here at the Dynasty Warzone, we're just trying to make the world a better place for fantasy football. We'll see you next Wednesday for our uh, divisional breakdown series. We're starting with the NFC North. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you soon. Bye-bye.